act of surrender, it's an act of faith that says, you know what, despite how I feel, despite what's going on in my life, I just want to let you know, God, that you're my master, you're my Lord, that I trust you, I want your ways, I want your thoughts, I want your, you in my life, your peace, your joy, Lord, you see the hands. Lord, I just pray right now for anyone who comes in here who is hurting right now, Lord, I sensed in my heart this morning, Father God, that there will be people here who need breakthrough in their hearts, people who are going through some grief, people who are going through some pain, people who have been trying and trying and trying to hang something up, Father God, that keeps pulling them back, and they feel defeated, they feel so full of doubt, they feel so discouraged, but I pray right now in your presence that you would give us courage. I pray, Father God, Lord, as you are here, that we would see that those mountains that look like problems, Lord, that they become moles, mole hills, Father. I pray, Father God, those things that are, we're facing, those things that are, we're looking at, I pray, Lord, that they would begin to shrink in your presence, Lord. They may be there, but compared to a big God, Father, they are small. And I just pray right now for those maybe marital issues. I pray, Father, for peace in their marriage. I pray for people who want to give up on their kids right now. I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the strength, a second wind to go back at it this week, Father God, to cling tight to the promise that you have given them. Lord, I pray for anyone in here going through addictions, anyone going in here through hurt or pain, maybe some people who have been diagnosed with cancer or diabetes or maybe other health symptoms or health problems. I pray, Father God, Lord, we believe in the miraculous. We believe in a supernatural power by your Holy Spirit that can heal. Lord, we don't come just to be entertained. We come to experience you. So I just pray, Father, as we extend our hands to you, as we say, Lord, we're full of faith. Lord, I pray that we would just be healed. Pray our hearts would be open, our minds would receive your joy, receive your love. I pray for hope right now for people who are depressed. Hope right now for people who don't see light at the end of the tunnel. I pray, Lord, that this would be the moment that they get back up and they realize that through Christ, all things are possible for those who believe. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's thank God one more time. Let's thank God. Hey, give a few people a high five. Tell them I hope you enjoyed your donut and you can go ahead and take your seat. Hope you enjoy those donuts. Who's got enough sugar? You guys got enough sugar? You, you want more? Hey, on your way out, we have more donuts. So if you need more sugar or if you want to bless someone, you can go ahead and do that as well. Thank you guys for coming out. Uh, we appreciate everyone that comes out every single week, even if it's your first time. I want to let you know who I am. My name is Sean Jensen. I'm the lead pastor here at Authentic Church, and me and my wife get to serve this house, and her name's Liz, and we have two girls, and we are just so welcome and so glad that you came out to join us uh, this week. Uh, real quick, I just want to let everyone know in here before we move on, last week was Easter, and check it out. We had so many people inviting. We had so many people encouraging and serving, and we Jesus said, you know what, guys, let's invite people to this Easter because this could be the moment that changes people's lives. And guess what? We had 683 people come through Easter weekend in our church. Come on, let's give God. You guys are crazy. I'm so proud of you. The best thing is, is 23 of those people decided to follow Christ last weekend. And that is what it's all about. So... We get excited about that at our church. We believe in it. It is amazing. And not just that, guys. What was so encouraging, we had a, a girl who told us that she invited two coworkers, and they both came last week. And one of the coworkers brought, like, her entire family. And some were, like, tweens, uh, tween teenagers. And they listened to the message. And at the end, all of her kids rose their hands to receive Christ at the end of the experience. Come on, guys. An invitation leads to a transformation. So... 
That's why we're here. We celebrate that. If this is your first time, we get excited about people who find hope in Christ because we know we live in a dark world sometimes that feels discouraging. So we hope that you're enjoying your time here in this place. And so this week, we have waffles for the kids. We have donuts for you. And we're starting a brand new series, which is like a collection of talks. We'll talk about a topic for a few weeks, and we're calling it WTF. Yeah, that's right. Welcome to church. I told our team last week, like, what about WTF? I'm like, listen, the people who want to leave are going to leave after this anyway, so it doesn't matter. I was like, the religious people will be out. But, but it's not what you think it means, but I'm going to explain to you what that acronym means and why we felt like God was leading us here. But have you ever uh, had a text message with, like, a parent or someone who's, like, kind of text illiterate and they, like, send funny things? Anybody? Have anyone ever had that? Like, before, like, emojis really took over, we had acronyms like LOL, OMG. And then, like, parents begin to say that just in regular talk, like, OMG. Like, right? Like, you're like, mom, no. Like, right? Like, no, we're not saying that anymore. When the parents start saying something, the kids stop saying it, right? Like, that's... I found a few text messages I thought were hilarious, some of my favorite, of a mom uh, texting her kids. And I thought this was great. The first one says this. It says, your great aunt just passed away. LOL. Got a really quick trigger finger there. <laughs> LOL. And they said, why is that funny? It's not funny, David. What do you mean? Mom, LOL means laughing out loud. Oh, my goodness. I sent that to everyone. I thought it meant lots of love. I have to call everyone back. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. LOL for the guys that don't know. Here's another one. Uh, what does IDKLY and TTYL mean? The child says, I don't know. Love you. Talk to you later. Okay, I'll ask your sister. <laughs> and personally, my favorite is the last one. I got an A in chem. They say, WTF, well done. Mom, what do you think WTF means? Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> Come on, we should start saying, well, that's fantastic. Like that. WTF, mate. Let's change it up. Like someone gets a good, WTF, mate, that's fantastic, right? Like, I don't know why I say mate. I got friends from the UK and I think it's awesome. Every time I say, that's fantastic, that's brilliant. These are, this is like me and my mom's texting back and forth, by the way, guys, just to let you know. Uh, that's kind of like my mom, although I never got an A in chem. So that wasn't, that wasn't me. But some of you are wondering, okay, Sean, what does WTF stand for? Like, I know what it stands for, but what does it stand for? It's like, you guys are like, <clears throat> like, what's like, Really foggy out there. Sorry, I'm trying to, anyway, don't talk about it, Sean. I'm distracting, ADD. My team's going to tell me, Sean, don't talk about it. I'm not talking about it. Reverse, reverse. All right. What does WTF mean? What are we doing today? What did we feel like we're going to talk about the last three weeks? What has God put on Pastor Sean's heart that we need to hear as a church? Because you don't just come here, right, just to come. You believe that God's brought you here under a pastor who hears from God, that he's going to bring a word that's going to encourage me and help me in my walk of life. That's why we go to church, because you're saying, I'm submitting to God by submitting to leadership, by saying whatever he's speaking to them, I need. Because if this is my church, I need it. And some of you need to say that right now, because once I say it, you're going to be like, I'm out, right? Like, I'm, I don't need this. WTF, and what we're going to talk about is this. Why trust feelings? Why trust feelings? So next time your feelings begin to lie to you, you can be like, WTF, right? Why trust feelings? You see, guys, feelings, I'm, we're going to talk about it and break it down. They're important, yes, but man, they get us in so much trouble. Feelings can lead us in wrong places. Man, if feelings were your boyfriend or girlfriend, you would break up with him. They lie to you, right? 
if they betray you and they put you in sticky situations, right? You would be like, we're breaking up, we're done. Uh, feelings, yes, they're there, we're going to talk about them, but I believe that God has encouraged me to talk about feelings because what we have heard in our culture is just follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Follow these things. And honestly, when we look throughout Scripture, like there is nothing in Scripture that says, bless your soul, follow your heart. Because God knows one thing. Our heart is what got us in sin mess in the first place. And we need a Savior to lead us and the Spirit to guide us into all the things He has for us. He knows what we need most, and so He wants to lead us. And He knows that we fight against these feelings and these emotions that He put into us. And they're good, and we'll talk about that. But we're going to look in a scripture in Hebrews of, of, of an author who wrote to this church, and he was encouraging people like you and I to not trust feelings. He's saying they are fickle. And so there's this story that he uses, and in just two verses, he's encouraging the church through a warning. He's warning them about feelings and how we can miss out on God's best because of our feelings. Even though culture is saying one thing, we have to go with what God is saying. And if you're here and you're not a believer and you're just coming for the first time, we're glad you're here. Like, we know that you're not under this standard, but for those who are followers of Christ, this is who we say we are. We have to follow who God's word says, and he's our master, he's our Lord. If you're joining us for the first week, you can just lean in and listen to what we believe, how feelings can get us in trouble. Maybe they've gotten you in trouble too. And we want to talk about how God actually has best things for you. So there's a story in Genesis that we'll look at, but we're going to be in Hebrews, about this guy named Esau and Jacob. They were twins. Uh, they came out uh, uh, so fast that it said Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel. So Esau was the oldest. Jacob was born right after him, and he was actually called Jacob, which meant deceiver, heel grabber. And we'll find out why he was called that, because he deceives his brother Esau. Now, in this day and age and culture, you have to follow me, Esau was the firstborn, which means he gets the birthright. The birthright or the blessing at that time was the inheritance. Everything his father owned, he got when his dad died. All the cattle, everything, inheritance, money, provisions, family, all of this went to him. That was what it was. Guys, the middle ch child syndrome is real, right? Like this is where it came from. I'm a middle child. I got nothing. They don't love me. Help me. I'm just kidding. I was the good kid. They all. Anyway, so I could fly under the radar because my brother was crazy. So uh, he's baptized now. We baptize him here. He's good. So, but, but the thing is, is there, so he gets the birthright. This is a big deal. This is a huge blessing. This is like, like people knew you got the blessing and the birthright. But what we're about to find out is Esau gave his birthright up for something so small. I mean, you probably, if you've never heard this story before, you're not even going to believe what he gave it up for. You're going to be like, he did what? Why would he do that? And we're going to talk about it. Hebrews 12 encourages us. It says this, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. We give away permanent things for temporary things. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late, tears or no tears. The worst trade in biblical history. National Bible Association, NBA, the worst trade ever. I know it's cheesy, but laugh at me to make me feel better. <laughs> worst trade ever. He gave up his birthright, his inheritance, and all his provision for Campbell's chunky lentil and beef. A soup, a can of stew, gave up something so precious. Traded it away. Listen, because of a quick impulse, because of how he felt. And I just have a question for us today, and it might be heavy. How many things in this room have been traded? How many great things have been traded because of feelings? 
I mean, let's think about it. What have we just traded today or this week? Dreams and goals. We've traded our dreams and our goals because of what we don't feel like doing. We've traded joy and peace for anger and unforgiveness and pain and greed. We trade it. God's best. Jobs and blessings. Why? We had a great job. God blessed us and we keep telling God, I don't know why I can't find a good and decent job, but the job he gave you, you relate to all the time and you never worked hard and you lost it because you didn't feel like it. I felt like staying up till three in the morning and partying every weekend, but I couldn't make the job happen and then I don't get any money and, and what happens is we go by feelings and we trade away the blessing that God has for us. I mean, we're just being all, I've been in these cases. Don't, I'm not trying to talk to you at you. I'm talking with you today that all of us can trade these things. Our marriages, we've traded marriages because of feelings, how we felt about them, how we felt about others. We felt like we were in love and then we're out of love and integrity Purity, which scripture talks about so strongly about purity and integrity, not just to tell you what to do, but because he designed us and created us for something greater and he knows that he saves herself for someone special because he goes, that's how it works. But don't worry, your pastor, he ruined that moment, but God still redeems it and restores it and can continue to move on. And just because you haven't lived up a purity life up to this point doesn't mean that God still isn't done with you yet. But we can trade these things away. Why? Because of people approval because we want to please people, we'll trade God's best for our life. We want to make them happy. We don't want to get made fun of at school. And so we'll trade our integrity and we'll trade our character and what God, our name, our reputation. Maybe it's a church. We'll trade churches easily because we feel like they don't like me there. We feel like the pastor's always preaching at me about my feelings and he can't stand me. We begin to feel these ways. People don't care about me. And we leave churches. We leave communities. We leave relationships. We leave friends because our feelings lie to us. And I'm sorry, but as your pastor, and I feel like why God's leading me here is I am tired of seeing people in the church trading God's best in their life because of feelings. And so we're going to address it because I want you to have healthy relationships. I want you to have healthy marriages. I want you to have healthy church experiences. I want you to begin to step into everything God has for you and for you to stop missing out on God's best. Are you guys excited about that? Do you want to trade feelings in for that? So let's dig in. Guys, just this week, I traded some things this week. Valuable time with my girls for some screen time on my phone. I did. I traded in valuable time, God's best, what he's put right in front of me because I didn't feel like spending time with him. I didn't feel like building a fire, which is their favorite time of year. I didn't feel like jumping on the trampoline with him. I didn't feel like wrestling with him. But chances are, that's the most valuable thing that they're looking for. What are we trading for? No more trades. All the trades are off the table. Here we go. We're going to step in. When the feelings begin to push us around, here's some things we need to realize. Number one, feelings are real, but they are not reality. Feelings are real, but they are not reality. And I'm going to unpack that for you for, in the first place because this is very important in church because some of you who've been raised in church may have a bad taste in your mouth of how people preach on feelings. And I hope I can change that for you. But let's look back in Genesis of Jacob and Esau. This is the full story of what actually happened, and we'll break that down again. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew— Jacob was mama's boy, right? He was the cook. He was cooking everything. And, and Esau was daddy's boy. And he was out hunting, looking for, for meat and for some food. L let me give you an equivalent. Christmas last year, my brother-in-law and my brother got drills for Christmas. Yeah, manly. I got a coffee pour over set. <laughs> I'm secure. Anyways, Jacob was a mama's boy. They were jealous that Esau had the birthright. 
Jacob's mom said, let's steal his birthright. So they have this plan where he's going to cook some stew because they know Esau's going to come home hungry. So they put the glade cookie smell and things in the plugins. So when he comes in, he is starving. Look at, look at what it says. Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. Listen, I'm famished. I read this like this. I'm famished. Because it looks like that, doesn't it? Like, who says famished? Like, this little extra Esau. Jacob, I'm famished. Anyway, so that's all I saw. That is why he was called Edom. 31, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. That was pretty straightforward. Sell me your birthright, Esau. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Yes, Jacob was a mama's boy, but Esau was so extra right now. Come on, guys. Like, I'm famished. I'm going to die. It even says in Scripture that he goes, what good is my birthright if I'm not even here? I'm dead. Like, he went, like, crazy. And then we find out he trades his birthright for a cup of stew because he's going to die. Here's the truth we can look at that. Was Esau starving? Possibly. Yeah. Was he having hunger pains? Absolutely. He was hunting. He had no food. He came home and smelled it. He hadn't eat probably, he hadn't probably ate for a day or two. And yeah, he was hungry. Hungry. He felt the hunger pains. He, he knew it was real. I'm not saying that what he was feeling wasn't real. But what happens is when the feelings come in that are real, we begin to let them lead us into these stories that don't make sense, right? He was feeling hungry. It was real. But then he went to, and I'm about to die. It's like, just go grab a Twinkie and wait a couple more minutes. Right? It's like my daughter at 11.30 when we eat at 12. Dad, I need lunch now. Why? My stomach's eating itself. I'm like, you had a snack at 10. It's gone. But the truth is, he had a real feeling, but he got him to believe that he was going to die because of the feeling. Feelings, man, they lie to us. They're real but they begin to build a fake story and we act on those stories. Have you noticed this? I'll break it down. There's this guy named Dan Harmon. He's a, he writes uh, shows on TV. One of, he, he wrote one of my favorite sitcoms. Now, before you think it's Rick and Morty, I don't watch Rick and Morty. I'm not judging you if you do. That's not who, what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about community. He wrote, he wrote community and he deals with depression and he's very vocal about it because he wants to help people come out of depression or at least talk about it because it's a stigma to talk about depression, especially in church. And I don't know why it is. We did a series last year called 1-800-27-whatever-the-number-is. And we did that. Because we believe it's a real thing. Someone tweeted him and asked about his depression, and his answer was awesome. I'm not saying I agree with all of it, but there's a moment I, I really want to hone, hone in on. For one, he says, admit and accept that it's happening, depression. Awareness is everything. We put ourselves under so much pressure to feel good, it's okay to feel bad. It might be something you're good at. Communicate it. Do not keep it a secret. Own it like a hat or jacket. Your feelings are real. Yes, we feel bad sometimes. I'm not saying we have to stay there. But he says we put so much pressure on feeling good that we don't admit when we feel bad. Two, try to remind yourself over and over that feelings are real, but they aren't reality. Example, you can feel like life means nothing. True feeling, important feeling. True that you feel it, but whether life has meaning, it's not up to us. Facts and feelings equal, but different. I love that. He's saying you may feel lonely and depressed and that the world has no meaning, but we don't make that decision. And our feelings say that we do, that we become master, that we become Lord. And there's such a stigma in church that we don't talk about our feelings. See, here's the truth. 
I'm not saying walk around like a zombie. God created us with feelings. But feelings, listen, feelings are good to have. They're bad to follow. It's okay to have feelings. We feel joy. We feel excitement. We feel all these things. They're great, but they're not good to follow. God gave us feelings for enjoyment, but not to follow them. And so if you're here today and you're feeling bad, you're feeling like going through a hard time, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel lonely. Now listen, if you're someone who's been doing that for two years now and you're just not taking any steps to find joy, you're going to exhaust people. But it's okay to admit, like if you're, every time you come around, it's like negative Nancy, right? Like they know like when you show up, it's because it's been happening a year. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's okay when you have moments of weakness that you can admit what you're feeling. But remember, they're not reality. So here's the truth. You may feel lonely, right? I may feel lonely. I've dealt with this. Sorry about that. I saw that confetti fall from the sky. <laughs> Anyways, I'm so distracted. Anyways, feeling lonely. You may feel lonely. And then what happens? Okay, I feel lonely. And then the lies begin to come in. Something is wrong with me. Something's wrong. No one likes me. I must be annoying. No one cares about me. I must be weird. I'm different. No one really cares. And we begin to leave churches and leave relationships because we think no one cares. Why? Because we have a feeling that we have allowed us to lead us to the wrong place. The truth is maybe you feel lonely because the people you used to hang out with are married now. They got kids. They've been up all night. And so when six o'clock hits after dinner, they are sleeping. Maybe the reason that you didn't get invited to that party isn't because you don't, they don't care about you, but maybe they just felt like it was a personal party or it was a party that maybe they just didn't need to invite you with. They still like you and they care about you, but you know what? You just don't need to be at that party. Quit being offended. Oh, I know, right? No, but I have, a, I have a right to be offended. And then you have a right to never enjoy life because you'll always be offended over everything. I find this out every week. What am I saying? Yes, you feel lonely. But when you actually play it out, there's actually people who like you and they actually they care about you. And if you actually go out, you find out that that lie is going to build and prevent you from relationships, prevent you from churches, prevent you from belonging in a place because you have a lot of feeling to dictate where you go. Maybe you feel angry because they betrayed me. They were so rude to me. Did you see how they treated me? I did. Yes, your wife treated you harshly. And this feeling begins to tell you she doesn't care about me. She doesn't even love me. Maybe the husband treated you differently, and now what you're thinking is, man, he probably just thought I was a lot cuter eight years ago, but now look at me. Let's just be real. Don't look at me like, no way. Yeah. Maybe he's, oh, he's, I just don't turn him on anymore. I'm just not attractive anymore. I just, oh, I walk in the house, and he's like, ah, and he runs away. <laughs> these are real things. And we allow these, why? Because he was short with me. But then, like my wife comes to me and goes, what is going on? This is what I'm seeing and perceiving. I was like, babe, I just had a hard day at work. I'm sorry what you said. I know I was short with you. I'm already thinking. I'm actually texting someone because something serious has happened. Oh, so you actually don't hate me. No, your feelings tell you I hate you, but I love you, girl, and you still look good to me. You look better than the day I first met you. But listen, what am I saying? You can let your feelings take you all the way down to the ditch. And marriages end. Relationships end. Literally, your joy is taken. You trade God's best because you feel real. It's real. You felt betrayed. You felt hurt. That's normal. You're going to feel that. But if you're not willing to rumble it out and talk about it, you'll always be miserable. We live in a culture that doesn't want to be fact-finding. Real. I have fear and anxiety. I, I can't confront them. I can't talk to them how they made me feel because I might lose them forever. I feel anxious. I feel fearful. But the feeling is telling you that if you talk with them, you'll never be able to talk to them 
But what the enemy knows, if you talk to them, your friendship's going to be stronger than ever. And the feelings prevent you from stronger relationships, prevent you from better church experiences. Prevent, why? Because we don't want to talk it out. We'd rather listen to our internal feelings when we don't have the facts. I'm starving. I'm going to die. That's what we're doing. I feel like this. This is the ultimate. And we go to the ultimate. Listen, when our feelings get in the way, they're narrating a story and they're lying to us. Like just this week, I got to tell you this, I wanted to tear someone's head off. That was on our staff. I did this. They're like, who was it? Who was it? Listen, it doesn't matter who it was because this is a weekly basis, all right? Like we feel, and don't act like you don't ever want to rip anyone's head off. Like there's moments I'm just upset. And the same goes for them. There's moments that they look at me like, Sean, you are crazy, man. Like, you know, we deal with this. But listen, we found out that just because I feel that way doesn't mean it's true. So I wanted to rip this person's head off. I felt like that. I was angry. I was upset. Liz heard the mouthful of it. She goes, okay, let's pray about it. Because even if something is wrong, the way you're handling it is wrong. I was like, you're right. Okay. So we prayed about it. I sat down with this person who just before I wanted just to, you know what I'm saying? Like, ugh. Anyways, I'm the only one I guess that has anger issues. So we sat down and I asked questions on specifically what happened with this, this situation. And they answered. And I was like, uh, oh. And I asked about, well, about this? And they answered. And they were logical explanations. Did you know the moment I found out the facts, my feelings suppressed? You are one fact away from your marriage becoming better. You are one fact away from your church experience becoming better. If you would just take some steps forward, sit down, husband, wife, talk, talk to that friend. Man, you've had 15 friends and every time, like they always betray me. They always do this. No, they look like they betray you, but you never had the courage to talk to them in their face. So you went and talked to other people and they can't stand you now because you're a gossip. Don't look at me like, I've done this. So what do we do? We go to the person. We say, this is how I'm feeling. This is real. I was hurt. I was betrayed. And they said, that's not what I was, that's not what happened. When I found out the facts, it suppressed. And I realized they didn't even do anything wrong. There was no reason for me to lead my feelings to the point where I wanted to tear someone's head off. Actually, we grew from it. He's better because of it. Well, now you know it's a he. He's better from it. I'm better from it because I realized that I need to calm down sometimes and, and get myself in check. Why? Because I'm not going to allow my feelings to lead me. Feelings are not just reality. They aren't reliable. They aren't reliable. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I love this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I love this message. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's like, Sean, what does this mean? That word heart up there, it means the seat of emotions and passions. He's not talking about the, the, the muscle. He's saying this is the central of your life. It's your emotions. It's your passions. It's your feelings. He's saying trust those things with the Lord, which means you have them, but you need to put them in God's hands and say, God, what do I do with these feelings? Before I act on these things, before I make these decisions, I need to what? I need to stop trusting. Why trust feelings? I need to trust in the Lord. I feel like no one cares about me. But God, you care about me. I feel like the money's not going to come through and I'm freaking out and I'm anxious. But God, you care about me and you're going to provide every need for me. I'm going to trust my emotions to you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. WTF, this week when your feelings begin to pull you away, just be like, WTF, why trust feelings? Why am I trusting this? I need to trust in the Lord. I need to trust 
in the Lord. Don't trust in your feelings. Trust in the Lord. So this week, when those feelings rise up, hash it out. Ask God for strength and have a talk. Chances are, 90% of the time, it was just miscommunication or misunderstanding or you just let your lies take you to where it is. And we are trading God's best relationships in our lives, trading God's best outcomes in our lives because of feelings. Feelings. Number two, feelings open the door for other feelings. Let's look back at Esau, what happened. It said, you will know how Esau later regretted. Sorry, it's the Hebrews one. You will know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late, tears or no tears. So it said after he did it, he regretted it, and he realized that he really did want God's blessing for his life. And here's my encouragement to you. I know you guys want God's best in your life. Man, I know so many times you hear people go like, come on, don't you know God's got amazing things for you? And come on, don't you? And it's like, we just pummel you. It's like, of course you do, right? Like, let's be honest. We want God's best in our life, right? Like, we want everything God has for us. I don't think someone like came up to me ever and goes, Sean, today you were saying, today you were saying that people want God's best in life. And honestly, I don't really want it. I want his worst. <laughs> said no one ever, right? Like, I know we want that, but sometimes we just talk about, don't you want God's best? but we don't address the things preventing us from God's best. And those are the feelings. So as a pastor, I'm going to the heart of the issue, not just saying, hey, you want God's best? I'm just saying that you're trading God's best for some feelings. And it said that he regretted it. He wanted God's blessing, but he regret. Feelings open the door for other feelings. Here's the truth about feelings. You may feel one way, and you may act on that feeling. But sure enough, you better believe that if you act on that feeling, there's going to be a whole other wave of feelings coming right behind that feeling. Like regret. Like shame. Like discouragement and depression. Right? It said that he later regretted it. I found out the feeling of regret is often wrapped in the feeling of you only live once. Well, you only live once. Oh, it should be a good night. It should be fun. It's going to be awesome. And your feelings are like, who cares? Let's just go. The night's mine. I own this place. Woo! And you wake up after that one night stand saying, I don't want this. Do you want me to clean that up a little bit? Or realize that we actually deal with these things. And before you look at someone and say, oh, yeah, the one night stand. Your one night stand was with the cheeseburger. I know I said that without laughing, but I really wanted to. But let's be honest, if we're going to talk about this side, we need to talk about all of it. Because some of us have trade or health because of how we feel. And God talks about that too. So let's just cross all barriers and say, you know what? I regret it. Man, just this week, guys, I ate so much this weekend. I went out with some friends. We got sushi and pizza, but I already had all meals that day. And the next day, I was up till 1230. I have kids that get up at 6. It was fun. I had a good time with you guys. Just letting you know it was a blast. But... Man, did I regret it the next day because I was so full. I felt like garbage, and my girls were up jumping on my head at 6 in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> like that's just, <laughs> why? I forgot. But here's the truth. The feeling of slavery is often wrapped in the feeling of pleasing people. I feel like I need to please this person. I need to please them, and I need to please them. I know Scripture doesn't say it, but if I can just make them happy and make them happy and make them happy. Guys, if you want to make everyone happy, sell ice cream, all right? But the thing is you have to realize is you can't make everyone happy. Even as a pastor, like, well, you make people happy. Not everyone. You should hear some of the things I get. But, but if you want to make everyone happy, don't lead, don't do anything. Just sit there. But 
we try to please people, but then we find out that we try pleasing everybody. It's, when we get that feeling fulfilled, it opens up the gift, and guess what's inside? Slavery. Because now you are a slave to everybody else's commands. The feeling of sorrow and grief is often wrapped in the feeling of happiness. I thought an affair would bring me something I didn't have. This is going to make me happy. I'm so happy, but God's not after our happiness. He's after our joy. Joy is happiness in spite of sorrow, in spite of situations. I'm, see, I'm searching happiness, and he's like, it's wrapped with regret. I'm not saying these things are never good to have, but listen, they're not good to follow. They're good to have. So let's just be honest, guys. We've all had crazy feelings, right? Let's, let's, we just talked about it. We all have had crazy feelings. Let's just throw it all out there, guys. We have crazy feelings. This week, you just told your wife, I'm going to go in there. Or you told someone, I'm going to go tell that boss a piece of my mind. Right? Come on. You know, like, come on. Like, you're like, I'm going to go in there and tell them, I haven't got a raise in this long. I've done this. I've worked my tail off. Junior over there doesn't do jack squat. Nothing he ever does. And you're just going off and off, right? Like, we're always tougher in the shower at home, right? Like, let's just be honest. Like, we win the best arguments in the shower. Anybody else? Like, I can talk someone down in the shower. Like, I'm like, no one else is in there, just me, right? Like, it's like, why are you having this conversation in the shower, Sean? Anyway, don't worry about it. But what I'm trying to say is you're like, I'm going to do this. And you go in and you're like, can I get a raise? No. Okay. <laughs> Are you thinking about that person who made you upset? I can't wait to see them. I'm going to throat punch them next time I see them. Like, you know the people who come in and every time they come in, you just want to throat punch them. Like, you're just like, oh, like the feeling, like they get on your nerves because they don't have your same personality as you, honestly. Selfish. They come in and they're like this. You're like, oh, I'm throat punch. Oh, if they come in again. If Karen comes in one more time. Sorry if your name's Karen. Sharon. Steve. Sean. If anyone comes in. <laughs> You're just like, I'm going to, oh, I can't stand them. Why? Because we have these feelings. Like, honestly, parents, this week, my kids were blessings. <laughs> I'm watching my, I'm speaking in faith, Kathy Rowan. I'm speaking in faith. And uh, I looked at Charlie going crazy. And I looked at my dog's cage. <laughs> and I looked at Charlie. And I thought to myself, 30 minutes wouldn't be. <laughs> no one saw it, right? Like, no one's got to know. We have crazy feelings. We feel these things. We, we do. We deal with these things, right? Like, we've, if I told you half of the ones I'd have, I wouldn't be your pastor anymore. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, why don't we act on them? Why don't we act on those? Why do 90% of the feelings we don't act on? Why are there people who are good at it and they don't act on it? Let me tell you real quick. We were at uh, Edinger's um, in, here in town, and we were eating. And if you guys don't know me, like, I love Edinger's, but one of my favorite things about Edinger's is the butterscotch pie. Mm-hmm, 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 right? Like, it's my feelings kicking in. Now, I never get it because I, I lost a lot of weight, uh, like, four years ago, and so I've been really hard. So I have, like, a cheat meal a week, uh, which was that night I was with those guys. And I have a cheat meal a week. And so I know when I go in, they're like, I can't eat it. But I don't know what it is about me. Like, I just have to ask if it's, they have it available. So, like, I'm done. I'm like, do you have any butterscotch pie? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want it. Like, I was like, why would you do that? I just want to know I'm in the same room as it. That's all. I just... It's my quality time with my butterscotch pie. Like, that's, just need to know it's within my vicinity. And she left, and she came back. She goes, I just want to let you know, like, we only have one slice left. I was like, no, really? Like, I literally said, I was like, no, I don't want it. Why did I say no? Because literally, the feeling of 20 minutes extra cardio on the Stairmaster suppressed the feeling of eating that thing. Because it's going to be a lot of work. 
Guys, if we would focus on the after feelings before we operate in those feelings, it would save so much grief. So much. How are you going to feel the next morning? How are you going to feel if you choose another binge watch show and not get in God's word today? How are you going to feel knowing that you need to spend time in prayer and worship, but instead you're going to go, this, we need to realize like, the after effects. Why? Because feelings often follow feelings. He regretted it. He regretted it. Now, I know some of us will make mistakes at this point, and we have to dissect that and understand it, but what I want to let you guys know today is that feelings will come in no matter where you are, and some of you have made decisions and you're in regret now. God has covered you by his grace, but now that you've learned from it, realize what is that feeling going to look like after I do it on a bigger scale. I know I feel like doing this. I feel like punching that person. (laughs) I feel like like flipping that person off. I feel like screaming at them. This week I was screaming at someone in my car with my authentic magnet on there. Just like, back up, right? Like, and realizing, man, I have these feelings. But if I would submit them to God and realize, how am I going to feel after? Like, I literally told Liz, like, we just need to go find that person wherever they are and stop them and, like, pay for their lunch and say, I'm so sorry. Like, that's not what I meant because I was regretting how I acted. If I could just think about that before, we'd go into it. Feelings follow feelings. And the last thing is this. We weren't created to follow feelings. Feelings were created to follow us. Feelings are good. I'm not here to be this pastor who tells you, stop with the feelings. No more feelings. We're not about feelings. Man, I love feeling the presence of God. I love feeling the joy that he brings. I love knowing that God's here. But if we base our faith on feelings, then we'll get discouraged when we don't feel that again. Forgetting that he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So sometimes we have to push past our feelings and we have a promise from God. We've got to stand on faith and the facts of God's word. But we have a lot of people in church who come for a while, but when the feeling fades, on to the next thing. If the feeling fades, I would say you're probably being consistent. But we go on to the next thing. So we weren't, we weren't created to follow feelings. Feelings were created to follow us. I mean, have you, have you noticed this? Like, you go to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym ever. Like, I don't want to do that cardio workout. Like, I don't want to eat. Like, right now, guys, I'm already, I told someone in the bathroom. We talked in the bathroom. I was talking in the bathroom. I was like, listen, I had a donut this morning. I looked at him. I was like, I cannot wait for lunchtime. I have to psych myself out. I can't wait for lunchtime. He's like, what are you eating for lunch? I'm like, a tuna packet. (laughs) He looked at me. He was like, dude, I got to psych myself up or I won't eat it. Why? I don't want to eat it. But I also don't want to get back to where I was. Right? Like, I don't want to, but after, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to feel great that I made a right decision, and I'm heading out. Now, tonight, it's going to be a different story, but this meal needs to be. Now, what I'm trying to say is when you work out, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like asking for forgiveness that I made someone hurt. I don't feel like owning up to someone that I hurt. I don't feel like owning up to the responsibility that I made someone mad. I don't feel like it, but I don't live by feelings. I need to be obedient. Why? Because I'm going to feel so much better after this relationship is restored. I'm going to feel so much better after we talk this thing out. Feelings follow us. We don't follow them. Some of the best decisions in our life will be the decisions we don't feel like making. Let me say that one more time. Some of the best decisions in our life will be the decisions we don't feel like making. Man, some of you, I just felt it in my heart. Some of you gave up on a dream because you feel like you're too old. And so instead you do other things with your time and God says, no, bring the books back out. You can still complete this. You can still do it. You just don't feel like it. But I will show you that I am not done with your dream and your desire that I've placed in you. 
I feel like it's a nurse. I don't know who it's for, but I just feel like it's someone that wants to be a nurse and you gave up on it. Don't give up on it. God's gonna show you so much blessing through that job. Don't follow your feelings, follow him. Some of the best decisions in your life will be the decisions you don't feel like making. Some of us are here. He says, Sean, I started coming to this church a year ago or a few months ago, and when I first came in, I was scared. I was nervous. I drove around the block 14 times because I was so scared to go in. But when I made it in here, I felt something I had never felt before. The presence of God was here. There was joy here. I can't even explain what I was feeling. Goosebumps. Just feeling it. Praise God. Praise God. But now you've been coming for three months. You're like, but the feeling is gone. The feeling has faded. Where did it go? Well, when you first came, you were actually, you may not know this, but you were actually allowing your feelings to follow you. Remember, you were scared. You were terrified. And you're like, I need to get to church. And you stepped out of your comfort zone in faith, and you came into this place. And listen, the feelings followed. But now you've been coming for six months. God's been working in your heart, and he's asked you to give up some things that you haven't given up. He's asked you to step out in some things that you haven't stepped out in. He's asked you to have a conversation with people you haven't had a conversation with, and you wonder why the feeling has faded. Because you're allowing your feelings to dictate you. You're looking for something that's not there. He says, if you would take steps of faith and obedience, the feelings will come back in and they will follow. I'm looking for a feeling. Follow faith. Trust what God has for you, and the feelings will follow, I'm telling you. I love what Habakkuk 3.17 says. This guy was going through a hard time. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty. He's saying, even though I have no money, no cattle, no fruit, no food, nothing is going good for me. Nothing is happening the way I want it to happen. Could anything else go wrong? Even though all these things are happening, verse 18 says, even though, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. What is he saying? I'm not going to allow my feelings to put me into a pit of despair. I know I may not have the money. I know I may not have the provision. I know I may not have the friends. And there's some things hurting in my life, but I'm not going to let my feelings dictate where I go. I'm going to dictate where my feelings go, and I'm going to worship my God because he is good. I'm going to praise him because he's taking care of me. No more am I following my feelings. Some of you came in today. Well, if you saw what kind of week I had, you wouldn't praise God either. I don't praise God based on the week I had. I praise God that I was dead, and now I'm alive, and no matter what week I go through, he promises to be with me. Well, if he was with me, he'd have, no, 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 you just need to stop following your feelings and come in and say, yet I will rejoice. Circumstances will produce feelings that will produce action, but yet I will. I'm not going to listen to what I'm going through. This whole week I thought about this. I thought about a lady in our church who lost her husband a month ago. She lost him in the middle of the week, heartbroken. She was here this morning. She, heard, her, she was on my heart the whole time. And as she was on my heart the whole time, I saw her in the lobby this morning, and she was crying. Tears in her eyes. She was feeling hurt, feeling depression, feeling anger. And we had people praying over her. Broken. Her husband died young, 50s. And by Sunday, a few days away, she was here. Worshiping God. Even though, oh, she didn't feel like being here. We feel like complaining, we feel like arguing, we feel like blaming God. I'm not saying they're not real, they were real feelings. But she realized one thing, I can't allow these feelings to push me into depression and despair. 
I have got to allow my God to pull me out of depression and despair. And so I'm going to leave my feelings. And some of us wake up in the morning, and because breakfast didn't get done on time, I don't feel like going. I don't feel like it. Forgetting that just maybe today is the word you needed that you've been praying for for five years. The day you don't feel like coming, I would say make that decision to come because that's probably when God's going to do a miracle in your life. Because the best decisions we want to make, we oftentimes don't feel like making. Jackie was here worshiping, thanking God. And just today, she did the same thing. And she grabbed me in the lobby and said, I was so depressed last night. I was so broken. I didn't want to be here. But when I showed up, people prayed for me. They encouraged me. They spoke into me. And then I heard your word. And I'm so thankful that my feelings didn't dictate where I go. I dictate where my feelings go. <laughs> Guys, come on up. I told you about this crazy trade. But I want to let you know there's a crazier trade that happens in the, in the Bible. We talked about what is crazier than trading a birthright for a bowl of soup. You see, you may not know this, but there's a, there's a crazier, a trade that doesn't make any sense to me. Something that I read to this day, and still it brings me to my knees. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, listen, how do we run untangled? How do we run leaving things behind? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. In this moment, Jesus traded our slavery for his freedom. He traded our death for his life. Our sin for his grace. I'm sorry, guys, but Jesus did not deserve the cross, and we did. And yet he traded us. He traded us. For those who would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We're all going to have eternal life, but we'll either have it separated from God in hell, or we'll have it with him in heaven. And he said, only sin steps in the way, but I'll trade my son Jesus for those people who wronged me. What a trade. So how does this help us make decisions when we don't feel like it? The night before Jesus went to the cross, he was sweating drops of blood. And he told his father, God, if you can take this cup of suffering, this cross from me, and give it to someone else and find a different way, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. He didn't feel it, guys. He wasn't feeling it. But he said, not my will. Your will be done. Our life, guys, if we want God's best, is strictly the same. When we don't feel like doing something, we kneel down before God and say, not my will, but your will be done. If you want me at church this morning, I'll be at church this morning. If you want me to ask for forgiveness, I'll ask for forgiveness. If you want me to love my boss instead of talk bad about him, I'll love my boss and not talk bad about him. Not my will be done, your will be done. When we begin to look at Jesus, it says, set your eyes on Jesus when we begin to follow Jesus, we learn to stop following our feelings. You know why? Because Jesus is our master. And when we make Jesus our master, our feelings become our servant. When we follow Christ, we say, he's my master, not my feelings. And whatever he says, they're going to follow. And if you have failed in that area, you can get back up.
God's grace is for you. It's extended for you because of the trade that he has for us. But I don't want you to trade any more that God has for you. I don't want to trade, I don't want to see any more trades happening that's going to get in the way of God's destiny for your life because it is amazing. We need the Holy Spirit's help. So don't trust feelings this week. They're going to come up. You're going to feel upset. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel awful. But you're going to look at those things and you're going to put them in God's hands and say, God, show me in your word and Holy Spirit, lead me on how I can handle and manage these things well because I want your blessing at the end of the day. I don't want to trade it off for something so fickle and so temporary. So with eyes closed, if you're here and he says, Sean, could you conclude me with that prayer? I've been following my emotions and feelings for too long. I need the Holy Spirit's help. And this is my moment of surrender to God. This is my moment saying your will be done. If you're here with eyes closed and you said, Lord, your will be done. Could you just lift up your hands to God right now? It's just in the act of surrender. You say, your will be done. Eyes closed. Your will be done, God. Your will be done. I, wanna, I, I don't want to forgive. I want to hurt people. I, I am upset. I am angry. But your will be done. Yes, thank God. And for those, Lord, that maybe are wrestling in their heart, I pray for them as well. Lord, I pray as we extend our hands to you, I pray, Lord, that we would trust you. I pray, Lord, that we would give your Holy Spirit the work in our hearts. I pray, Lord, as our feelings begin to rise up, we're thankful for our feelings. We're thankful for the joy we feel. We're thankful for the peace we feel. We thank you for the joy we feel. But I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't follow those feelings, but that those feelings would follow us as we follow you, Jesus. I pray right now for everything that has been traded in this room. I pray, Father God, Lord, that you are going to redeem it. You're going to restore it. You're going to bring it back to people. I pray for marriages, Father God, of people following feelings. I pray that you would give them the Holy Spirit and strength to have the communication they need to have. I pray for freedom in this house. I pray, Father God, that they would accept the trade that you have given to them, that they would receive your grace, that they would get back up, and they would say, no longer am I trusting in my feelings. I am now trusting in God. Not our will be done, but your will be done in this place in Jesus name amen and amen you may not feel like it but let's stand up on our feet let's give God some praise and let's sing one more time that we are his children come on one more time